Hey, what's going on? Happy Thursday to you. Thanks for making us part of your day. Bick Nazar, Dan Riccio here on The People Show, and you as well, 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. The smart alternative, visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Eddie Gregory running the show. Reach, what's happening? Uh, feeling good. Did my uh, four hours of independent film study last night and uh, <laughs> ready to put on a great show. What'd you watch? No movie? Was it Severance? Have you seen Severance? No. I fell asleep during the second episode. Wow. There you go. <laughs> One hour film study for each hour of the show today, right? <laughs> so, that's all I needed to know. Apparently Kyler Murray's pissed at the uh, the reaction to that story coming out. Is he allowed to bank hours? Like, what do you mean? Like, what if he does eight hours one week? Oh, probably not. Do we get paid overtime here? <laughs> but that would be the technicality that I would pick out. Five yeah. hours one week? Yeah. I only have to next. do three out. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's oh. an option for Kyler. We're, we're just, you know, we're playing the Seahawks this week. We only need yeah. two hours of uh, independent film study. <laughs> you got to find your loopholes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bick Nazar, Dan Riccio. Man, hot. Another one. Scorcher here in the lower mainland. Uh, so stay safe. Uh, so my building is, uh, yeah. you know, 1-4 has got like the amenities floor and everything like yep, that. Like yep. the, the lounge that you can rent out and all that. They've opened that up because mm-hmm. it's air conditioned. Yeah. So look, it's hot. Not everyone's got air conditioning in their place. If you, if you, if you want to go there, hang out there. Yeah. So yesterday I was like, all right, it's too hot in my place. Go up there. You know, because like these lounge areas, they have couches because you, mm-hmm. you host a party. Go up there, someone's taking a nap. I was like, well done to you, Just lady. like straight up napping. Yeah. I was like, well done. I don't like, know. I respect that. Like that is a power move. I'm going to go to the lounge area that's AC'd and I'm going to nap. And I was like, yep, I get it. I don't think I've ever napped in a public space like that. I'll tell you. Does I- a movie theater count? It could. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've napped unintentionally sure. during a movie. What movie was it? Oh, man. There's too many to name. <laughs> <laughs> I once took a nap in the middle of the summer at Cultus Lake, like right on the beach. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. the beach nap is, is kind of, mm-hmm. you know, it's acceptable. But for us in the industry, I think it was one of those days where I actually worked the morning show at yep. the previous employer. So you're up at super early and you're really tired in the mm-hmm. middle of the day. So it made sense. I, I've definitely napped in our office. Yeah. As, as has been well documented. <laughs> I think if you work in radio, you've you've napped at your office once or twice. Done it. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> Not I, here uh, yet. <laughs> you know what? A good, like, 20-minute nap sometimes is is really just what the body needs. Uh, it is. Uh, today's the, the confession day, right? Yeah, we're doing confessions today. Confession Friday on a Thursday. Uh, we're at the Nat tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, so we're a short show, uh, 11 to 1. We're going to do the mailbag tomorrow, so I didn't want to jam the show up with everything. Uh, plus we'll talk to Andy Dunn on location yep. there. So a, a lot happening tomorrow. So we'll do confession Fridays on a Thursday today. So my first confession. Oh, we're on the topic. Okay. Uh, I used to like, my dad was a wedding photographer, so he would like drag me along with him on Saturday mornings and, and days to like go shoot the wedding with him. And, uh, I don't know how many times, but like I would always fall asleep during church. <laughs> 
during the wedding ceremony, it was just like the perfect lullaby. But I don't think there's an issue with that because he's dragging you to his work. With all due respect <laughs> so to the good. church, it's I, not like you're sleeping through I'm a church service. I'm supposed to be the assistant. I was sleeping on the job. This I, was my weekly allowance here. This is That's what you incredible. get when you hire children for help. <laughs> I'm just picturing like this this couple enjoying like weeks after the fact, months after the fact, just like going through the pictures. Be like, what a beautiful day. Who's this little homely child sleeping in the background? What's going on here? They're just like, this is the vows during the wedding ceremony. <laughs> loudly. Hey, look. <laughs> the photographer's assistant is asleep. Did you have to dress up? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not like full suit, but yeah. like, you know. Business casual? Yeah. Semi-formal. There you go. Uh, Business cash. All right. Like this, the, the, the church sleep is not a good sleep. You know, it's kind of like an airport airport sleep. Where you're 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 kind of dozing and then your head falls over and it's like ah, the airport sleep Back is up. really nerve wracking because I always feel like someone's gonna take my <laughs> take carry off. Yeah, <laughs> like I usually use it as a pillow. Yeah, I would just feel like I'm gonna wake up and be like, wait, where'd my pillow? Oh, go? I mean, on the plane. Like, oh, I'm at- in the airport. That's that's tough. What I'm if you miss I'm- your flight though? Yeah. Well, usually if you're sleeping overnight at the airport, something's happened. Yeah. <laughs> so you're probably not missing your flight. Yeah. The airplane sleep. Crush that all the time. Yeah? No problem. Oh, it's difficult. I'm man. jealous of you. I, I'm like a notorious I can sleep anytime, anywhere. I got a nine hour flight to Munich in a couple of weeks, so you're gonna have to teach me your ways of being able to sleep on a plane. Uh my my, my favorite part is like doing a, a midday power nap. Yeah. By by power I mean like three hours. <laughs> and you know, I'll get home, it's like That's six o'clock. more than a power nap. A power nap is like twenty, twenty five minutes, tops. I'll, uh, you know, I'll get home, do like a two-hour nap, and it's like 7 o'clock. Like, yeah. Most people are like, how are you going to sleep at night? And I was like, yeah, was, don't worry about it. <laughs> I was in the mood for about an hour nap no last problem. week. And then I only got about a half an hour in because someone outside was mowing their lawn or something. <laughs> and it bothered me enough. <laughs> I, I, I can very easily nap in the evening, wake up, do something, yeah. go right back to sleep. I can't sleep during the day like that. I mean, uh, I have to be super tired. But mm-hmm. All right, we got a lot to get to. Do we? It's enough of a nap in today. Okay. Uh, full For show. Uh, Sean Shapiro will join us in about 20 minutes. I uh, wrote a great article uh, over at The Athletic uh, just talking about that Kachuk trade, but also some of the other motivations behind it. Yes. And how it's already a huge hit for the Panthers. Yeah, like you know, financially. The first thing he says is, yeah, I hate Edmonton, but now I hate Tampa Bay more. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's – look, I, I think we don't often think about this uh, in, in Canadian markets because, heck, our fan bases in this country are just going to love the hockey team no mm-hmm. matter what. But there is a sellable or have-to-sell component uh, for a lot of American cities, and I don't think being in Sunrise, Florida, there, there, there's just so many ways you can get a, distracted away from a hockey team. Heck, the Miami Heat have trouble – drawing to their basketball games in the winter because it's like, well, do I want to watch a crappy basketball team or am I going to go to the beach? Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, it, it's not always the easiest. And the Panthers have done a really good job. And um, Sean talked about some of the, the things that the Panthers have done to really uh, build their fan base. They're selling some hate. Yeah. Which is strong motivator. Uh, he'll so, join us in about 20 minutes. Uh, Adnan Verk, as always, on Thursdays, Derek Klassen from Football Outsiders uh, in about two hours. And Kevin Woodley as well, uh, Mikey DiPietro's agent, 
uh, saying some things. We'll get into that later on in the show. Yeah, uh, we'll talk to Woodley about that again. Confession Fridays, about two and a half hours away. So one of the things we were talking about just on, on the idea of like, hey, some guys leaving the the division and just where it stands right now. Our, our initial goal was to rank like a draft the Canucks and Flames, which shout out to our Calgary listeners today. Yep. You can also text in six fifty six fifty. And then we thought, you know, like, why don't we just look at the whole Pacific Division? We're talking about Kachuk leaving and all that sort of stuff. Well, we'll look at the entire division. So who are the best skaters? Yeah. And we're only doing skaters here, right? Yeah. Damco, Markstrom, they're part of this conversation, but we only did skaters here. There's really only, what, two good goalies in the Pacific anyways? Maybe three, if Robin Leonard gets it back on track. So. So we did this exercise. And I'm very curious how this plays out here. We, We essentially just said, draft a team. Mm-hmm. Top 20. We didn't alternate. We just kind of came up with our own list. And we didn't really compare lists. We kind of consulted on the on guy. It's like, hey, where, hey, where do you got this guy? I'm yeah. Doing a price check on aisle four here. <laughs> I I have a feeling we came up with the same 20 guys. Uh, maybe. Fairly close. But it might be in just like weird orders. Okay. So I, I, I have a feeling this is going to go by tiers here. Okay. I like tiers. McDavid, Dreisaitl, their own tier? Yes. All right. It's hard to really deny the mm-hmm. two best scorers in the division, the two most dominant players in the division. Basically almost carried the Edmonton Oilers to a Stanley Cup final this year. Mm-hmm. I, I shouldn't say almost. They got swept in the conference final. So, But, again, like, yeah, the reason they were there. The reason they were there. They still ended up leading the playoffs and scoring by the end of it mm-hmm. because of how good they were. But, yeah, th- those guys are in their own tier. McDavid, one. Dreisaitl, two. So how deep was your next tier? Because I actually came up with about seven names. My next tier. I didn't, I didn't necessarily do the tiers. Okay. So let me, let's hear your next tier. Uh, sorry, it's actually ten names. Okay, it's, it's a big tier. Huberto, third. Okay. Look, it's a lot of points, man. Yeah. It is a lot of points. I wouldn't have him third, but he's in so, this tier. So the reason why he's he's one spot ahead of the next guy, health. Yeah. And Mark Stone for me is fourth. Like Mark Stone has such an orbit around him on the ice. Yeah. I just don't know what it's going to look like physically. When he's basically got a bad back for the rest of his career. He might play 50 games. Yeah. That sucks. And and the guy that's being omitted here also is, is another health thing, Jack Eichel. Yeah. I would have Jack Eichel third. I Totally with you. Like, on talent, Jack Eichel would be the only player, I think, after... that He's the only player that could potentially enter the McDavid-Dreisaitl tier. If yeah, he finds correct. his game again. Correct. Right? Like, that's that's what Jack Eichel is to me. Now, you know, maybe we can have the debate. Quinn Hughes, um, Pedersen has an incredibly high ceiling. We just haven't seen it consistently for mm-hmm. more than two years now. So kind of hard to to put that on him. I'd say Eichel is, for me, the only one that could get in the mcdavid Drysaddle tier. Actually, you know what? Now that I look at it, I'm going to split my tier in half. Okay. Six in, in, in this tier. Okay. I'll, so, I'll explain in a minute. Eichel would be my, the third best player in the division for me. Yeah, so my, my tier for me is Huberto, Stone, Hughes, Eichel, Pedersen, and Miller. Huberto, Stone, Hughes, Hughes, Pedersen, and Miller. And Eichel. 
How do you keep Elias Lindholm out of that tier? He he's the first one in the next tier. See Elias Lindholm. I, I wouldn't mind seeing it for like another year. I feel like Elias Lindholm to everyone and our Calgary listeners are probably going to come at you with some knives here Vic, mm-hmm. for not having him in in the upper echelons of the Pacific Division. But how much do we look at Lindholm and say, yeah, well, he's not doing that without Gaudreau and Kachuk? It, it's a lot. <laughs> it's really a lot. That's why... Like, right when I looked at it, and I was like, oh, it's very easy, like, where this break happens. Yeah. But Lindholm's a phenomenal player. I agree. Like, did we forget how high Lindholm was drafted? He had a slow start to his career, but mm-hmm. has finally figured it out. He's still so young. I think Lindholm, you know, his placing in the Selkie conversation tells us how great he is defensively as well. I mean, the numbers, the raw numbers he put up, the defensive value he brought for the Calgary Flames, I don't see how we keep him out of that next year. So I'm I'm definitely... Uh, What's your grouping then? Or your, your, your I'm, next... I'm just, I'm adding Elias Lindholm. All right. To that group. Look. He needs to be added to that. I, I, I've got a rubber arm on it. You also don't have any other defensemen. No. Just Quinn Hughes. Correct. In a division where there is Drew Doughty, Alex Pietrangelo, Shea Theodore, Noah Hannafin. Those are my next three guys, by the way. <laughs> so, again, I think we, we came, we're, 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 what, 14 guys in here? No, yeah. less than that. Uh, 12 guys in here. Is that your top 12 as well? Yeah. I, I was sort of out on Drew Doughty. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially while the Kings were rebuilding, it, it's almost like <laughs> Dowdy was just, you know, okay, well, if if we're going to be losing hockey games, I'm not giving it my all. Because, and, and why do I think that way? Because of, I, I watched him play last year. <laughs> and it's like, oh, there's Drew Dowdy again. He's back. And he was phenomenal to watch the first half of last season. Deservedly back into like, hey, Drew Doughty, Norris, maybe not that level, but he's kind of getting back to among the best defensemen in the league, not just on a reputation basis, but on a actual production level basis. And that's that's what I saw out of Drew Doughty last year. But uh, it's kind of the opposite with, with Pietrangelo, where I think now we still have him in the conversation based on reputation. But since he's moved to Vegas, he hasn't exactly been the most consistent of defensemen. Mm-hmm. I feel we rank him more on, on reputation than we do on actual play. Well, I, I do have a phrase. You've heard me echo it a lot of times. It's not my phrase, but you've heard it before. Like, talent is forever. Form is temporary. Yeah. Um, I'm still, I feel like Petrangelo's maybe going through his Doughty phase there. Where it's like, when, when, when there was the onslaught of, Doughty's not it anymore. Man, like, he's still really good. I feel like Petrangelo. It's like, oh, well, we're starting to see the phase, the the, the phase out of Petrangelo's career. The back nine. He's still really good. Yeah, he's still really good. And it's just part of this, I guess, is positional scarcity. It's like it's hard to find those guys. Yep, it really is hard to find those guys. So we've kind of gone through a whole bunch of names here: McDavid, Drysaddle in their own tier, Eichel, Huberto, Stone, Hughes, Lindholm, Miller, and Pedersen. 
By the way, for all the Calgary people texting in, Riccio is higher on than home. Yes. So he, he's talking into it. How about that? <laughs> this text. Are you kidding me? Lindholm yes. was the one propping up Gaudreau and Kachuk. P- please send your, your hate towards Bick Nazar, not Dan Riccio. Uh, I knew that was coming for you. So, uh, Lin- yeah, Lindholm doesn't get enough credit for the role he played on that line. But let's not deny how good Kachuk and Gaudreau are. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, Pietrangelo, Doughty, Theodore, all in that next tier. Timo Meyer, mm-hmm. Andre Kopitar, also have to be in that next tier. Kevin Fiala, throw him in there too. Oh man, I almost forgot about Fiala. Just, just added it into the division. Super talent. It's, he's, it's he. It's so, for lack of Meyer. a better term, he sucked in the playoffs. Sure. <laughs> like that one round, he mm-hmm. was basically invincible. Actually, one of my pet peeves about players in the playoffs is like they start trying to be something that they're not, and I feel Fiala was that. You know, he's like, all right, I'm going to be a tough guy now. Like, no, don't be that. <laughs> Just be like the super fast, super talented guy that you normally are. That like, frightens people when he's yes, in full flight. Yeah, be that guy. I, I, don't, I don't need you to, like, be a pest and throw body checks and that sort of thing and try to, like, get into scrums after whistles. Like, no, no, that's not, that's not who Kevin Fiala is. So part of me is Fiala was... Um, I almost felt like he was uh, padding the stats a little bit at the end of the year. And Minnesota had a lot of blowouts, and so the 85 mm-hmm. points thing was a bit of a stretch for me, but he is still a, a very talented player. I don't know if I'd have him in this tier, but... This next grouping for me is just like... I'll seed this one to you. Fun guys or just like professional guys who are maybe have a ceiling on them right now? Yeah. Like Anze Kopitar, in his prime, is probably number three in this conversation. Yep. He's at a stage in his career where he where... gets burned in the playoffs. <laughs> Man, he was legit terrible against McDavid and Dreisaitl. I'm just saying, he's at a stage in his career, though, yeah, where he knows how to play the minutes to how to influence winning. Yeah. It's not necessarily going to look like it was in his prime and he's going to drop 90 points or something like that. So, yeah, he might put up a 67-point season. But I think he's very acutely aware of how to manage his body and his minutes yeah. and how to do just enough around the ice to play his role. And that is still spectacular to do, even at his age. So this might be a bit of a stretch. But I think Philip Deneau is a better player than Ajay Kopitar now. Man. Well, look, he, he, he did put up points. Like, that's the big thing. Deneau finally, like... He he got back over fifty points, almost scored thirty goals. But for me, Dano is <laughs> like he's he, Patrice Bergeron light. He probably brings you like thirty points in defensive value. Yes. So it's it's like getting an eighty point player. The reason Kopitar is able to manage his minutes more is because of Philip Dano. He doesn't have to play. <laughs> I mean, Edmonton still got the matchup when they wanted to mm-hmm. uh, in in that playoff series, but. Um, he doesn't always have to play toughs. Kopitar doesn't anymore because Dano is there. He proved it in the playoffs with Montreal. He's proven it over years that he's one of the more dominant centermen at suppressing chances in his own end and controlling play going 
into the offensive end. He's not the greatest finisher. He's not the greatest playmaker. But when you're on the ice, you're probably winning your matchup as long as Philip Deneau is there with you. And that's that to me is it's it's the conversation we have about Bo Horvat not always being able to do that, even though the points are there and mm-hmm. the goals and everything like that. But Philip Deneau, still for me, one of the uh, more underrated centermen in the league and last summer was the best unrestricted free agent signing in the league. He made my top 20. Okay. He's in this tier. Yeah. And, and look, we have these conversations. Tiering is more important than actual rank. Yeah. So you can convince me in any order of these guys. I'm fine with it. But yeah, Philip Deneau finally, finally got his flowers, as the kids yeah. say, this past season. Had to right? go to Hollywood to get it. Which is kind of strange. Like, you think you play for the Habs and you make a cup final, you'll sure. get your flowers. But he was, like he wasn't scoring in Montreal, you know? And that was a big problem. Last mm-hmm. year, he... He puts up 27 goals, and all of a sudden, you know, okay, we're talking about Philip Deneau again mm-hmm. as one of the best two-way centers in the game. Uh, for a couple of people texting in, Huberdeau, already mentioned him. Yeah. Different tier. Huberdeau was in the tier yeah. just behind McDavid and Dreisaitl. Tier two. Someone's texting in, shocked and appalled about the lack of Mackenzie Weger talk. Hmm. He's in this tier for me as well. So, as far as right-shot defensemen in the division go, you have Pietrangelo and Drew Doughty. Then there is Mackenzie Weger for me. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd actually like to put Weger a bit higher. Yeah. But new team, all this sort of stuff. It's like, let's see how this works. But he belongs in this conversation. Weger is, uh, yeah, he's just in that. I love a lot of what he does, but it's one of... One of those things about being a late round draft pick is like you're constantly having to prove yourself. Correct. Right? And that's that's kind of what Uyghur is in a lot of these conversations. Um, you know, there's a couple of teams we haven't mentioned any players from. Uh, the Kraken? Yes. The Kraken, uh, the Anaheim Ducks, and the San Jose Sharks. So, well, Timo Meyer. Yeah. Timo Ma- Meyer's on our list. Yeah. Uh, I have one Anaheim player, no Kraken players. Zegris was the one that made it for me. Trevor Zegras just broke my top 20. Maybe because I just love watching him play mm-hmm. more than anybody else. Uh, maybe in the division, but Zegras is in my top 20. Uh, Tomas Hurdle? Did he make your top 20? Yeah. He made mine. He's 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 right there, too. Look, it's this grouping of that professional players mm-hmm. that just know how to do the job. Kopitar, Uyghur, Deneau, that group. And then the exciting players of Meyer, Fiala, Zegras, Hurdle. And I threw in Evander Kane, who made my top 20. He, look, he might score 40 goals. No. He might score 40 goals. Not this year. And so if if you're playing on that line, as much as I think Chris Tanev's defensive value is probably greater mm-hmm. and his overall contribution is better, Rasmus Anderson's awesome. Yep. Noah Hannafin, like oh, that trio of Calgary Demon that didn't make my top 20. 40 okay, goals. so is, then why don't we have Troy Terry on the list? Troy Terry had 37 goals last year. 40 goals is 40 goals, man. Because <laughs> Troy Terry's done it once. Yeah. Like, I... I I'm here for that conversation, but if he, if he, like, that line can be so great. I'd rather have Oliver Bjorkstrand than Evander Kane. Stop it. I would. Come on. I'm sorry. I don't, I dislike Kane. The value he brings you in goals, mm-hmm. he gives up. Is offset. Right, but on the line that he's going to play on, that's something going to get a lot. Yeah. 
mitigated. When when he had I, a care- uh, look, I've seen Evander Kane go on hot streaks, and mm-hmm. when there's a contract on the line, he's gonna put he's gonna play his best hockey. Now he's gotten paid. I think Sayonara, you're not gonna see the the good Evander Kane anymore in Edmonton. Do I trust this? Not at all. Yeah, but man, the circumstances like he could drop forty five easily, he could. easily, and so I'm buying to the upside. Uh, you can score goals. Goals aren't everything. Who's the guy that we left off your list? Because I feel like we, we got everyone but Kane. Kane was in for me. Who who made it for you? Um, the one name uh, that we haven't talked about is uh, Noah Hanfin. Sure. Uh, that that was another name I had close on my list, as, as well as Rasmus Anderson. I like all of that, Calgary Steve. You know what? It was, it was like... It, it, Kind of like the Sedin problem. It's like if you let one of these guys, yeah. you got to let them all in. Like, and I, I couldn't fit all three guys in. Calgary's really got uh, the top D in in the division, like depth wise. Mm-hmm. I think that there's not even much of a conversation there. But uh, other than that, I think you know Bo Horvat didn't really crack my top twenty. That that might have been the other name there that potentially got in, but uh, list list kind of dies down after that. And I guess Ryan Nugent Hopkins as well. Uh, you can tweet us at DanRicho underscore at Bick Nazar. Uh, send us your top 20 players in this Pacific Division. Skaters only. No, yep. no goalies. No goalies. Tweet us. Uh, we'll be back in a minute. Talk to Sean Shapiro on The People Show next here on the Home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to the show. Bick Nazar and Dan Riccio here on The People Show. Summer schedules. You'll hear Reach. You'll hear me. You'll hear Sat, Jamie Dodd, Randy. Rotating cast of characters as we get ready for the next NHL season, but it is peak summer times. That's why we get to do the top twenty in the Pacific Division. Yep, I, I did find it interesting that we essentially got nineteen to the twenty, <laughs> and and we flipped on one guy. Uh, this one texter, Carter McDavid's overrated. Overrated, underrated was yesterday. <laughs> you can go listen to it on the pod. How can you hour. overrate the best player in the league? That can be a thing. Is it? Because overrated doesn't mean bad. Yeah. Underrated doesn't mean good. So if you were starting a franchise today, is there any other player in the league you would take over no. Connor McDavid? No. Is Kale McCarr close? Y- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I'd I feel take- like he is. How could he not be after what we just saw in the playoffs and the, and the year that he had? Like, the next defenseman to win a Hart Trophy is Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr is definitely second in the conversation. Yeah. Like, thousands. It's not Matthews anymore. It's not anybody else. It's not McKinnon. It's not McKinnon. It's... I'm not even sure... Are you going McDavid or McCarr? I'm not even sure who the fourth person in this conversation is. So, Matthews would be third. Yeah. It's got to be McKinnon still. No? McKinnon, Dreisaitl, Barkov, someone in that group. Heiskanen. Someone in that group. I don't think Heiskanen gets the I, hype that he deserves. No. I'm Like Adam Fox, like that group of players. Yeah. It, it's Charlie McVoy, Kaprizov, you can throw it anyone. But like that group. It, it's, it's a gap between the top three and everyone else right now. Uh, anyways, let's talk to uh, Sean Shapiro, who joins us now from The Athletic, uh, who wrote a fantastic piece uh, talking about Matthew Kachuk uh, and, and going to the Lightning and just hey, a, an opportunity to uh, – rebrand and really start pushing the the hate between the the Panthers and the Lightning. Uh, Sean, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. And I am also a part of, as the uh, former Stars beat writer, I am a part of the Miro Heishkinen lobby as well. So I uh, 
so smart on that too. So. I, I, <laughs> well, <laughs> like we're we're clearly like it, it, we're just in this like age of the NHL where you know Kale McCarr puts up a bazillion points. So does Roman Yossi, and and there's Miro Haskinen just being like an incredible defensive defenseman, but. It, he kind of feels like like the old mantra we used to have about uh, Ichiro Suzuki was like, yeah, Ichiro could hit forty home runs a season if he wanted to, but he just he likes getting on base at a four hundred clip uh, and, yeah. and getting his singles and getting all of his hits. But uh, and, and Miro Heiskin like, yeah, maybe he can put up more points and maybe he will with uh, with John Klingberg out of Dallas. But uh, it just he is such a good defenseman, doesn't get the love that that the other guys do. Yeah, he's a guy. He, he's the classic. Like, if you watch a full game and you see who controls the game more than almost anyone, he's one of those mm-hmm. one of those guys. But so, anywho, <laughs> anyways, we brought you on to talk about uh, this. Look, it, it was a fun trade, yeah. and and there's so many yeah, different ways, yeah. like the, like the hockey component to look at it. And look, we'll talk about that endlessly. Who won the trade and who's having an impact? But it was it was it was interesting to to see the opening presser and and Kachuk kind of laying. Out, hey, I have a hate for Tampa Bay now. Just like the like the benefit of what can happen here from a marketing potential and j- just how to develop a rivalry for the, the Florida Panthers who feel like really very much so like the little brother in this rivalry. How can they start to topple this over? Yeah, I mean, one of the big things the Panthers have been doing, and this is kind of, was kind of the, the thesis of my piece I wrote this week, was the Panthers are have been doing a lot of things off the ice that you can control to be different out of kind of both necessity and requirement. And part of that is they're, they're, they, they've, they've gone and they've done some things with NIL stuff with college athletes. They've done some other pretty cool off ice things that have helped grow it and everything. And, but one of the biggest things for the Panthers is them in the lightning, essentially they need to take aim at the big dog in Florida in Tampa and create that rivalry i mean it's kind of one of those where the hate any hatred on the ice will be absolutely uh will be bountiful for both sides off the ice when it comes to getting people to care and and just grow the sport there and that's why like i think chuck coming out right off the bat and saying i hate the tampa Bay lighting more than the edmonton oilers right away and everything like that it was perfect for what matthew kachuk can bring to florida um right away as far as helping the Panthers build the brand of what they want to be and to grow that rivalry with Tampa. Obviously, playoff series and both teams have to eventually and, – and playoff series really build rivalries on the ice and everything like that. But Kachuk helps take things further right away for Florida than a Jonathan Huberdeau ever would. And, like, and this is nothing – and a lot there's been lots and lots of things spilled over who won the trade player-wise and everything like that, but – so many hockey players say absolutely nothing, and I, it's, it's just frankly true. So many guys say nothing, and bringing someone in who's willing to rile things up and push things up for a market and an area that kind of needs it to kind of help grow the sport and the relevancy, it's, it's a brilliant business trade if you look at it for Florida. And obviously the hockey side we will talk about for forever, but frankly, Matthew Kachuk already is doing his job by right off the bat by riling people up about Florida and Tampa. Well, yeah, the the NHL needs more Draymond Greens, right? <laughs> to, yeah. to to just like uh, be able to sell the game, be able to talk about the game openly, rather than like you know get pucks deep and uh, give a hundred and hundred and ten percent. And that's that's what Matthew Kachuk, uh, his brother Brady, kind of does. And one thing we we don't really 
I don't think always recognize as much up here in, in Canada where, you know, we just leave our igloos to go to the hockey rink every now and again, um, is, is just how much selling some of the teams in the U.S. have to do for their markets, Sean. Yeah, and it's something where it, it relates to something else. I mean, like I wrote about this earlier this uh, earlier in the month about how what the sh- Chicago is able to do what they're doing, and because it's a Chicago, it's original six. It's a place where, as much as you may curse and and and, and be angry about what they're doing, there's people that will still be angry and, and curse it. There's so many markets in the NHL and these Sun Belt markets where. For people to even care, and, and you have to be in that playoff hunt every single year, and you have to sell the game in this way. Um, like, and, and that's I think that's something that people often forget about. Um, when you look at the Florida Panthers, obviously every team wants to win the Stanley Cup. I'm not saying no one doesn't want to win the Stanley Cup, but the Panthers, if you could tell the Panthers, hey, can you, you have one cup run but then miss the playoffs for 10 years or never win the cup but be in the playoffs for 10 years, Team probably takes being in the playoffs for ten years because that's a business. That's a business win. That's a relevance win, and you don't fall into the extremely dark times where people, no one cares about it at all. And so, the Panthers are a perfect example of you have to find every way to stay relevant. And the Panthers have done a really good job of that in various ways. One of the things, like we all make the, everyone has made the jokes. I myself in the past have done, everyone's made the jokes about the attendance and the arena location and everything like that. But in reality, the Panthers are about to get over 10,000 season ticket holders before next season, um, which is over. And they don't focus on Miami. Everyone talks about like, Oh, well, they're so far from Miami. There's over a million people in Broward County right there. They're focusing on that. And if they go on a deep playoff run, they'll get some more people out of Miami to come to the game. So, the Panthers, from a marketing and business perspective, deserve a lot of credit. And, yes, unfortunately, they play in a massive arena that is harder to fill, but they're still drawing more fans than the Winnipeg Jets do typically. So it's just it's, it's one of those things where I think perspective is often important with that franchise. Uh, Sean Shapiro joining us. Uh, Shapiro joining us here on, uh, on, on uh, the People's Show. You know, we talk about selling the game in – in different markets, um, it was a big change this year with ESPN and, and TNT getting mm-hmm. some NHL broadcasts. Um, do you have a sense on whether or not those were successful for the NHL moving away from NBC? It was. They were. They were undoubtedly a success. Um, the question I think we'll learn so much more about this coming season is how much of a success were they? Because getting away from NBC and getting to to what I'll call sports bar defaults in the United States was huge right now. No, if you walk into a random restaurant in the United States, the TV is likely going to be TNT or ESPN is one of the five channels. It's probably going to be on. Um, The ESPN is still the conversation driver for sports talk in, in, in the United States in many ways. And so, just getting onto the larger platform was a win right away. I think this season coming up, so we knew the ratings would go up. We knew more people would watch the game, and so that is undoubtedly good. The question will be, how much does it grow? Did, did, did the growth from NBC Sports to this year, is that what it is? And is that the amount of people that will watch hockey, or will it continue to grow? So I think off year one, rookie year with ESPN Turner, whatever you want to call it, definitely a success i'm really interested to see what happens next year to see if the ratings 
continue to exponentially grow, or have we reached this is how many people will watch hockey in the U.S.? Year two of it's going to be really, really interesting to see. Where are the avenues where they can expand that, like their reach? Is it digitally? Is it because I, you know, like the the, mm-hmm. the ESPN Plus platform, yeah. like it obviously evolves constantly. Uh, is there anything specific yeah. you'd like to see them try to do? Yeah, I, one thing I would like to see is so, personally, I would love to see, the messaging needs to be better um, as far as how people find find right. games. I know it was one of the things that they got a little bit better with as it went on, but even though it's, I felt. The fact that I had to write stories during the season, how do you find the, how do you, how do you find the hockey game and the amount of time, like ESPN and the league need to be better going into year two about messaging and working with teams and being able to better explain and, and better prep people for when you get home at seven thirty and you're trying to find your team's game. And all of a sudden you're like, wait, I have to log into Hulu and I got to find ESPN. Like, that, to me, is one of the biggest things the league and ESPN need to be better off right off the bat going into next year. The messaging of that is that there needs to be working. They need to be working with the teams. They need to be figuring out, okay, because we are leaning hard into this streaming element, so we need to make sure that we're making it easier in messaging for people. That, that's number one. For me, the next, the next biggest thing, and it's something that we were told would happen, and it, it happened a little bit, but it's, I'm, and I know the NHL definitely wants this to happen, is, there needs to be more hockey on the residual programming. We will like we see obviously we saw it on Sports Center in the United States, and we would see, and, and we, we would see it in some of the programs. But overall, there really wasn't as much of that uh, push for hockey conversation on the other shows, on the first takes of the morning get-ups or whatever they're whatever the show is called. That the NHL kind of had hoped would happen, and so. I would kind of imagine from an NHL perspective as them, as they work with ESPN moving forward, is going to, there's going to be a little bit more of a push of, hey, how do we get ESPN, how do we get hockey segments into the Stephen A. Smith show? Do we get a, do we, how do we find a guest to talk hockey? And I think that's the next big thing within ESPN. Um, as far as Turner goes, I mean, Turner is a very odd network setup. It's basically a entertainment network as opposed to a sports network. It goes from, watching you'll have a hockey or basketball game on and then it'll switch to the dark Knight or whatever Brandon movies on. So like <laughs> how things went with Turner was how things went with Turner with great was great. But I think the next step with Turner is going to be, what do they do with the streaming element from Turner? Because there is an element of uh, rights that Turner has to be able to do something with HBO max at some point. And Turner hasn't done anything with that. So I'm interested to see what the next step is. Do they plan to try to do additional programming for an HBO Max type thing? Is there going to be an alternate, any, something like that? What Turner does with the streaming rights that they have is going to be the next step for the Turner part of it. But the TV traditional side, they did a tremendous job in year one, I think. I think we're all in agreement. We'd love to see Stephen A. Smith ripping on the Arizona Coyotes <laughs> in their college arena, right? <laughs> it, would, it, would, it, would be, it would be great entertainment. Just, and it would be... And it would definitely, if you get, if you can just bring that part to hockey conversation, even if you got a guest to just bring it on and just tee him up, it would be great. I mean, as much as any, and, and it's it's just like the classic thing with, uh, we came on, we were talking about the Kachucks earlier, where it's, you can love it or hate it, but you're going to talk about it. And that's kind of where the NHL needs to get further and further into it. <laughs> so you mentioned the TNT broadcast and, yeah. you know, it, it's, 
it's very different, uh, even from what we do on Sportsnet with with Hockey Night in Canada, obviously. But but wh- how much of a success was it? You know, were they able to get the most out of Gretzky and get Gretzky out of his shell of always being you know polite about everything around the league? Were were they getting big value in the way that the NBA on TNT gets with with Shaq and the others? I think we may have lost Sean. Nope, I'm back. I'm back. Oh. Cut out there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> My bad, Sean. Yeah, so I was just saying, like, did did the NHL on TNT get the same kind of get the same kind of respect that the NBA on TNT does? Um, I, I think it's, it's it's there's a lot of time and reps, for lack of a better word, that go into the NBA respect and experience there. Um, so it's not in the same. It's, it's to put it in the same stratosphere as the NBA on TNT and that show that everyone looks at as one of the best sports shows on television. I don't think that's fair, but I do think that the NHL, the TNT showed showed us that they're willing to treat the sport as in, the sport itself as an equal to the NBA. Um, and to me, one of the big things that they did, and that's something that they did that I would like to see ESPN to do more of. Um, the biggest example to me is you look at where the studio show was for the conference final. Turner had the Western conference final and they had the panel um, in Edmonton and in Colorado and they were on site. ESPN had, did not have their studio crew on site for the Eastern conference final where for the NBA fine NBA conference finals, they were on site. And so for me, that was one of the biggest signs right away of Turner is willing to treat both the NHL and the NBA as equals when it comes to how they cover the sport. It's not like, well, this is a secondary thing and we're going to do something else for the NBA. Um, as far as Gretzky and getting him out of his shell and kind of taking that, that show, one of the things that I loved most about that show was we got way more out of Gretzky than I expected. I thought Gretzky was going to be dull and boring. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest. I thought it was going to be way too um, – I thought it was going to be way too complimentary. He still was very complimentary in many ways, but he actually came out of his shell a little bit more. And I think a lot of that had to, on opening night, they had, they had Charles Barkley come out and he and Barkley are, are good friends and kind of broke him out of his shell a little bit. But also having Rick Tockett on the show was big too, because Tockett is, Tockett kind of created this atmosphere on the show where it's okay to poke fun at Wayne and everything like that. So I I think that really surpassed expectations for me. Um, And, I think there's still more the show can do, but compared to what we had and what we saw for studio shows in the United States for hockey, it was it was it was great to have. It was great to have some consistency. And I'm, there's a bunch of things that I would love to see ESPN try to take from Turner, just when it comes to consistency. Where Turner allowed their studio show to work together and figure everything out. It was a cohesive thing. It was. It was Gretzky, it was Liam McHugh hosting, it was the same group throughout the season where the ESPN studio shows were kind of varied. They, someone would jump from play-by-play to studio to hosting and just never really felt cohesive and everything like that. The Turner one felt more natural as the season went. So I give a lot of kudos to Turner on what they did and hopefully you can just kind of see some more growth of that going forward. Hey, really quickly here, uh, Greg Wyshynski reporting that uh, Adidas will be dropped as the jersey uh, supplier in two years. 
Uh, what does that mean for the league? And is this just another uh, spot where they can try to generate more revenue coming out of this post-pandemic uh, uh, swing for them? Yeah, it's a big. I mean, it's a big. It's a big spot for the league. It's something where there's. You look at there's. There's a bunch of. There's been several things where they have dropped quote unquote traditional sponsors and the Adidas one to for other ones that maybe now have more money and are willing to come into play. The Adidas dropping Adidas feels very similar to how uh, BioSteel is now the official sports drink. They right. basically they dropped. Uh, they, they they instead of instead of sticking with what had been and everything like that, they basically dropped the sports drink element of their deal with PepsiCo. It still kept the other part of the deal with PepsiCo and we're willing to go to BioSteel and I've been told that it's been double the valuation that they got for the sports drink category. And so uh, don't know which provider will jump in and everything like that, but by, but by doing so the, it's another avenue where the NHL has created competition for their, their services and their rights. And, and you have some other companies now coming out of the pandemic that are better off than others. And you have some of the more traditional brands that are repositioning how they want to spend in various things. And so, um, we'll see who it is and we'll see the valuation, but off the bat, it's never a bad thing to be a free agent in that space for lack of a better word right now. Hey, Sean, we really appreciate it. Uh, and, uh, if you haven't seen the piece, go up and uh, check it out at the athletic.com. Uh, talk about uh, the Kachuk trade. Uh, best of luck. And we'll talk soon. Thanks guys. Have a good one. That is Sean, Thanks, Sean. Shapiro joining us here on the people show. We got to run to break. Bick Nazar, Dan Riccio back in a bit here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.